Welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. And like Ian at a music festival, we are ready to roll. Ian, how the hell okay, are you? Okay, now. <laughs> uh, I'm bad. Yeah, to be honest, yeah. I have COVID. Ooh, so. got it. You pick it up. Whoops. Yeah, what are you going to do? Got there? it at a gay bar. Yeah, uh, yeah, I saw some fun photos that we'll be posting to our Instagram and Twitter pages of uh, Ian at the gay bar, and so that was fun. Okay, but yeah, I have COVID, and I got it from a gay bar. Hey, did you know that it is common uh, at a gay bar to just take your shirt off and dance? Like, everyone had their shirt off, so I took my shirt off and I got COVID. Everyone had their shirt off, really. I mean, the majority of the dudes had their shirt off, yeah. All right, fair enough. Well, yeah, uh, I so. mean, kind of checks out of how you got it, I guess, yeah. <laughs> hey, if that's, a, if that's the worst thing that I leave there with, sign me up. I'll be back there next week. <laughs> all right. Well, all right, let's get back to some Formula One here. Um, <laughs> this is the first week of our summer break. It has been a long week, a long weekend for myself, and just looking forward to uh, these next – three weeks or so to uh, get by as soon as possible but to help with that time we are going to have our episode of the eating asphalt podcast and we're going to go through a little bit of what we'll be covering today some recent headlines to start off we're going to go over a driver spotlight maybe a recent victorious driver right before the summer break and hint hint and then we're going to finish off with a very cool story from ian uh that i'm very excited to hear know nothing about so uh really ready to get inspired by him and to kick things off right away we're gonna head into recent headlines with the first headline we have the fia and f1 have rejected aston martin's appeal of vettel's disqualification in hungary felt like this was something that we were all expecting a very very big boo for that i completely agree i think that they were going to pull the same you don't have enough new evidence to support your claim and kind of move on it is a bummer for vettel but you know life moves on i guess uh ian what are your thoughts on that i mean yeah it's a bummer like i Okay, my real thoughts are that obviously this was going to happen. Like, how can you see the rule in the rule book? It's like, hey, you have to have one liter so that we can test, you know, the fuel after the race. And you go in with 0.3 liters and be like, no, actually, we're going to appeal your decision that this is 0.3 liters. Like, I don't really understand what they were going for there. But yeah, this sucks. I mean, Seb won that victory. It's not his fault that the team didn't tell him to lay off and save a little bit of gas. Yeah, my question is like, why is this rule? Do you know? I think it's so that in Park for May they can test to make sure you're not dicking around with all the uh, like different ways that you can make gas more efficient. Maybe is just my guess, pulling out straight of my booty. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I think they have to test it and they have to have an adequate amount to test. All right, fair enough. Uh, I guess you know I'll take your word for that. I still don't understand it. Some, somebody who actually somebody who actually knows the rule just listened to me and had a stroke. Being like, this fucking idiot. <laughs> this is a Formula One podcast. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, moving on to something that we do know: drama. Bum, bum, bum. Moving on to our boy Max Verstappen, there's been a lot of talk about Sebastian Vettel in the news recently, riding his bike to save gas, supporting the gays, 
and the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, while on the flip side of that coin, Max Verstappen says he is not a fan of eco-friendly cars. He says they're just not my style. So, Marco, what are your thoughts about Max Verstappen hating the earth? Yeah, uh, I feel like uh, that is a hard one to kind of ignore. Uh, I just feel like not your style of wanting to do better in the earth. When we see your sport in general as being very open and accommodating and trying to make this a, a better planet than we left off at. Uh, but, or you could have that just fuck you attitude and, uh, you know, drive whatever car you want. doesn't matter. Yeah, I think I know what he means. Like he doesn't let, or he enjoys the, you know, the laying down the throttle and really hearing, uh, you know, the gas and the engine. Um, whereas electric cars, I think they're a little more quiet. But yeah, I think just in this overall social climate, not a great thing to say, especially when you have um, sponsors. You know, I don't know what that has to do with it, but when you have sponsors, you can't say that. You understand? Sponsors. Yep. Can't say that in sponsors. Uh, So moving on to that, um, (laughs) another, I feel like Max is just always in the news for us. He did have a very interesting quote talking about his kind of superiority over Lewis. I do have the quote with me for anyone that had not seen it. He goes on to say, I see it this way. I can go faster than anyone in a car. There's something more in that too in terms of margin. I'm absolutely sure I'm faster than Lewis. It works very well for me to think that way. And if I don't think so, it's indeed better to stay home. So, uh, you know, I think uh, if if I'm reading between the lines, it's pretty hard to read between those lines. It seems like he thinks he's the best driver in the world. Yeah, and I get that you have to think that you're the best driver in the world to compete in this sport. But, uh, yeah, coming out and saying like that, we don't see that a lot. No, like, yeah, I always try to, you know, think of seeing this in other sports. But, I mean, if you had, like, Tom Brady being like, yeah, I'm way better than Patrick Mahomes. Like, I'm I'm by far. <laughs> and calling out specific players, I think, is just, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of dickish. Yep. I would say so. And then our final headline, it's not necessarily a headline, but just something that's happening that came out in the Formula One world. The repair bills for each individual driver and constructor. Marco, are you looking at this right now, or can I quiz you on it? You can quiz me. All right. Who is the constructor with the highest repair bill? Max Verstappen. Who is the constructor with the highest repair bill? I can't read, and I can't understand what you just said, so I'm going to redo that. (laughs) Red Bull. Oh, close. Second place. First is our boys at Haas, obviously. How could I forget? How could <laughs> I forget? Nuggets. Haas, Red Bull, and Mercedes, the top three of the three. Thanks. So, yeah. Top three. Yeah, tier, tier one in uh, performance and then tier one in costly cars. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, first, uh, just like some notable mentions, Max Verstappen topping out the list along with Mick Schumacher. At the bottom, Fernando Alonso coming in as the cheapest driver uh, in terms of repair bill. Which is good because I think he's grossly overpaid as a driver at $25 million. So good for him. I think that's all I have to say on that, actually. All right, so, yeah. Fun little tidbits we transition. got there. Nice, yeah. And that did end our recent headlines. Moving on to our driver spotlight. Our driver spotlight this week, as you probably could have guessed, is going to be Esteban Ocon. And so Esteban Jose Jean-Pierre Ocon Kelfain, uh, easy, easy name to just spur off the, the tip of the tongue there, was born on September 17th, 1996 in Normandy, France. Uh, as Americans have a little history there, suck it. Uh, he started karting in 2006 uh, when he was about 10, 
winning uh, the French Menamine Championship his second year. He remained successful in karting for a number of years and switching to cars in 2012, where he signed with Gravity Sports, which is a sister company to Renault. Renault is a French team, so it makes sense that they are. Uh, he is a Frenchman in France, signing with Renault. For three years, he raced in different Formula Renault series with his best standings finish of seventh overall. Then from 2014 to 2015, he raced in Formula 3, then F3's rival GP3. In both series, he claimed the championship. And in 2006, he raced with Deutsche Torowagen Masters Championship, DTM for short, consisting of 10 drives under Mercedes. And then Ocon's F1 career started in 2014, where he did a test drive with Lotus. Then his GP debut for Lotus at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix during a free practice session. So I actually did not race there. I had a couple more free practice or post-race tests in 2015. And then in 2016, Renault named him one of the reserve drivers for the upcoming year. That same year, he made his F1 debut with Manor Racing after Rio Haryento's sponsors failed to meet their contract. And then so they dropped him as a driver halfway through the year. This was during the Belgian GP where he actually finished 16th. He then, in 2017, signed with Force India alongside with Sergio Perez. He had a couple of strong finishes to start the season, placing 10th, 7th, and 5th. But that year, he had a lot of run-ins with his then-teammate Sergio. Instances like Perez not listening to orders to let Ocon pass to challenge drivers ahead of them, as well as multiple crashes between each other. But even so, he finished a promising 8th in the Drivers' Championship that year, which is an impressive first full rookie year, if you ask me. In 2018, they kept the pairing together uh, just because of their likeness between one another. But uh, some off-the-track problems with Force India and then owner Vijay Maya putting the team in bankruptcy. The savior Lawrence Stroll and the team came in to purchase them and kept the two drivers to remain there for the remaining of the 2018 season. Ocon continued running into Perez onto the track and the team made a decision to ban racing each other. In the Brazilian Grand Prix, Ocon ran into leader Max Verstappen while trying to unlap himself. Uh, this caused them both to crash. Uh, Max ended up finishing second after the race. They got into quite a heated argument with uh, them shoving each other back and forth. Uh, this is not about Esteban, but Max was actually reprimanded with two days of public service, which I found uh, pretty funny uh, and was very curious of what that entitled. That 2018 year, Ocon finished 12th in the championship with 49 points. Reynolds had an agreement for 2019 to sign until they unexpectedly signed old Danny Ricardo. With that, Nasser Martin going with Perez and Baby Stroll over Ocon. He really didn't have a home for the 2019 season. With that, he became the Mercedes reserve driver for the 2019 season. Didn't really do anything there, obviously. And in 2020, he signed a two-year deal with Reynolds, replacing the legend Nico Hulkenberg. 2020 was very up and down for him. He had a number of top 10 finishes, including tied for his best finish in F1 of fifth. But he also had a number of retirements with car issues or actual crashes. He did get a podium finish at the end of 2020, finishing second at the Secure GP and ended 2020 season with another 12th place in the Drivers' Championship. And moving on to 2021, as we've discussed plenty of times this year, Ocon has not had the best start of the season. Up until the Hungarian Grand Prix, the last race before summer break, Ocon's best finish was 7th, then 4 ninth place finishes after that. So didn't have really a ton of points accumulating uh, the first half of the season. But no man went into the break on a hotter note than Ocon finishing 
top on the podium during a wild Hungarian GP. So we will see if that uh, that hot streak can continue once we start out the second half of the season. We know Alpine's fans surely hope so, as Ocon recently signed an extension to be with Alpine until the end of the 2024 season. So that really covers up his racing history. Uh, we do know that growing up, his family did not have a lot of money, and so he was one of the the drivers that really had to just, you know, his parents were working nonstop to continue to have this uh, karting career, all the money that was was really going into his career. So uh, it was really a feel-good story and uh, kind of a, a rags-to-riches type of story for him to to come up and make it all the way to the top and then, you know, get this over, you know, another massive deal for him. And I think, uh, you know, you, you kind of root for these type of guys. Personality-wise, he seems kind of a, a weirdo to me, but, uh, you know, that's just me. Dud. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, I saw him running to the, uh, the podium uh, where he incorrectly parked the car and he yeah he did just run kind of like a dork uh running up there but uh you know what he can drive a car much much faster than me uh so that does it pretty much about esteban is there anything what are your thoughts ian anything that i did miss that you would like to include no i'm just happy for him that his season turned around in the best way possible ending right before the summer break with a win his first win for several years when you think of esteban Ocon, the main thing that comes to mind for me is he is too skinny like he's Mm -hmm. too skinny and he gives f1 drivers a bad name in terms of their body type because he's just a big lanky french string bean that makes you know it's like whenever i see an instagram post of him he's he posted one by the pool with his shirt off i think yesterday or today and it's just like dude cover it up like don't don't put that out into the world who you who who are you impressing with this yeah nobody for sure but who are you trying to impress (laughs) awesome any closing thoughts on that before we go into our cool story, cool smashing cool story? Nope. Uh, I think that uh, that does it for the old Ocon. All right. Good deal. Let's move from France to Germany to tell a little story about a guy named Hans Heyer. H-E-Y-E-R. Hans is the only guy to get disqualified from a race that he never even qualified for in F1. So let's start from the beginning here. Hans Heyer. German racing driver, you're not going to find much about Hans in the history books of Formula One in terms of championships, title fights, or even races entered, uh, except for this one day back in 1977. But before that, Hans got his start in racing when he built a car by himself at the ripe age of 16. His parents owned a manufacturing facility where they manufactured bitumen and concrete, so things used for paving the road and roofing. Um, He started racing a little bit after he built his cart and quickly realized he was pretty good at it. So within a few years, he was the Dutch championship for the 100cc class. And after he won again the following year, he started to think that this could probably be a career for him since he wasn't necessarily interested in other life paths that were put in front of him at the time. Um, Went up in the ranks in karting and finally made it into uh, a couple of single-seater series where he raced one, I repeat, one F2 race in 1976. 1976, he races his first F2 car. In 1977, the German Grand Prix in Hockenheim takes place, which is where the event in question occurs. With the German Grand Prix approaching in 1977, the ATS racing team, which was kind of somewhat of a uh, of a good old boys team in F1, and that they were pretty mid to low quality. Not a lot of race wins coming out of these guys. You know, nowadays we're used to seeing a standard two-driver, two-car lineup. But that wasn't how it was back in 1977 with the ATS team. They would only run one car most of the time. Sometimes, if it was a special occasion, they would put a second car out there. 
This was one of those special occasions. They knew that there were a lot of German eyeballs that followed Formula One and wanted to put a German driver out there. So they looked to Hans Heyer, the German racing driver, to give him a shot to qualify for the race. So keep in mind at this time, too, it wasn't like we know qualifying now where 20 drivers qualify and 20 drivers start the race. Back then, there were about 30 drivers that qualified and only 24 would get the go-ahead based off of time trials. So when he ran, he got 18th at the time of his running. First time in a Formula One car, starts getting a little excited, thinking, you know, I've, I've run one F2 race in a single-seater. I might fuck around and just actually race in this F1 race. Unfortunately, after a couple more drivers put forth their best lap, higher drops to 27, leaving him and two other drivers who put in a faster lap than he did to set up shop in the midfield and not take part in the Grand Prix. When the Grand Prix starts, it is all kinds of chaos. The start doesn't go off smoothly. The service vehicle smashes into somewhere where there's red and green lights, so they get damaged by the service vehicle. That has to be stopped and fixed. People crash going into the first corner. Other crashes follow in following corners of the first lap. Just absolute mayhem. And while the stewards and marshals are all focused on the mayhem that's taking place in Hockenheim, Hans just starts the race. He just gets into his other car and decides that he's going to be the 25th car that's going to compete in the Grand Prix. So just imagine, like, I guess a more apt comparison would be like if someone were running a marathon and you didn't qualify for the marathon. But there was a big, you know, hubbub at the beginning of the marathon start, and you just decided to join a mile or two down the road. So, uh, as legend has it, all the fans realized kind of what was happening. They realized that there were two cars painted in the orange of the Penske Ford team, and the fans, kind of knowing Hans's reputation, were like, oh my god, that's Hans just racing in a race that he didn't qualify for and potentially putting an all-time fast one on Formula One as a whole. Unfortunately, as was the case around that time in 70s Formula One, um, there weren't a lot of finishers, I think, in this specific Grand Prix. Um, actually, only 10 cars of the 24 that started finished, um, and Hans was one of those that ended up having to retire after nine laps due to a gear linkage issue. Don't really know what that is, but that's why he retired. So he didn't finish the whole race. But for about eight laps, Hans made history as the only driver in F1 to have a DNQ, a did not qualify, a DNF, did not finish, and a DSQ, disqualification, when the stewards finally wised up and realized that the uh, numbers were a little bit off in terms of how many cars were supposed to be racing. So this guy is just like my newfound hero. He really shattered the preconceived possibilities of what acronyms you were able to combine in a single race. And that was his only F1 race result because he just didn't get onto a uh, he didn't get onto the track after that. So um, yeah, how about that guy that uh, guy that doesn't qualify for a race. Ends up racing in the race uh, and then has a DNQ, DNF, and DSQ. Yeah, what a way to make the Formula One, even just to, to qualify, just having one outing in F2 and then being like, well, good enough, we'll give you a shot. Like, good for him. <laughs> Honestly, that's, he's got to have the most confidence anyone ever. On the race result page for this, for the 77 uh, German Grand Prix, the reason for him being out is gear linkage slash wasn't supposed to be there in the first <laughs> place. <laughs> How did he get in here? Yeah. Hey, imagine being the first of the stewards to notice that, like, hey, is that 
is that fucking Hans? Is that fucking Hans out there racing? Like, this guy's not supposed to be there. I would have loved if he didn't have a, a car issue, and then he was like, all right, I got to come to the pits. Like, does the pit crew just be like, we're going for it. We're going to help the guy out, or are they going to have to try to stop him? Uh, yeah, very I curious mean, if it if it did work out in his way, how how much longer he's going to go. Yeah, love it. This is why this is why the sport's awesome because you can go down a little bit of a rabbit hole of any kind of story, and it's always entertaining. But with that, that'll do it for this short episode of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. As always, we appreciate everybody listening. Engage with us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Parlor. Um, where else do we have social media accounts? MySpace, uh, Bumble, Bumble, uh, Tinder. Open table. Grind grinder. Mm-hmm. I just signed up a grinder account. Oh, very nice. Careful you'll get COVID. And, yeah, <laughs> all right. Don't see me at a gay bar with my shirt All on. right. <laughs> We're done here. Appreciate everybody listening. See you assholes. All right, see you assholes.